1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. report We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: This is an unspoiled network podcast. This is unspoiled covering the dark tower. Book five wolves of the Kala. Part two, chapter one the pavilion in this chapter roland can dance with aplomb welcome to unspoiled
3: We're
2: finally here. He basically <laughs> does like a what I imagine is like clogging. Right? Sure.
3: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um <laughs> yeah, this is unexpected and delightful.
3: I was really excited to get here because when I first read the Roland dances scene, I was just like what <laughs> is happening?
2: <laughs> um Yeah, and it's, you know, there's a lot of tension also because Eddie is, like, getting really, really nervous when they show up and feeling like they're about to throw shit at them or turn on them unexpectedly. He's getting, like,
3: Meiji's flashbacks and he wasn't even there.
2: Yeah, it's a really, like, I don't know, it's um, made me wonder if there isn't something that's gonna be coming that they're not at yet or if it's just him sort of, like putting the memories together somehow like because this is the first time also that he calls himself from the line of eld Mm -hmm. um so i i just wonder like there's so much that seems to be falling into place for everybody in terms of their identity in this chapter that if i wonder if he hasn't like tapped into something Um, But I don't even know what that, like, means or looks like, you know?
3: Yeah, I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about this on this episode, because almost this entire chapter is from Eddie's perspective. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is about just, like, the, the feelings he's getting as they ride into town and just, like, all the different kind of perceptions he's having about what's happening around them right so i think that's something that we're gonna we're gonna be able to kind of have a really good conversation about uh this time around because it's it's a lot of the chapter a lot of the chapters eddie going like huh this is weird
2: right yeah you know um yeah so i don't know i'm just sort of uh sitting here waiting to see how this all like unfolds because it ends with him I mean, it ends in this place that feels very much like on the brink of of some shit popping off, you know, yeah, so yeah yeah, I'm just I don't know what to expect
3: well uh we can we can get into that and we'll analyze it, but you're not gonna know what to expect <laughs> that much right now. that's fair um anyway, uh you are Natasha and I am Miles.
2: I'm I am excuse me, Marguerite Santiago. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know who you believe you're speaking with, but
3: <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Did I say Miles, I meant Masquerita Sagrada once again. <laughs> Famous, famed, legendary little person professional wrestler. So This
2: is uh what we're this is a ongoing joke guys from the Game of Thrones show which if you aren't listening to it means you're lame. So
3: go yeah. listen to it. If you were a patron, you would get that joke and mm-hmm. you would already be laughing You'd
2: be lulling.
3: instead lulling. of having to wait for later in the show. Um, like, you would be laughing now. So, like, the money that you give to become a patron actually guarantees you more laughs per minute and more quickly into the episode.
2: That's probably true. Like, on yeah. the whole, true. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um. So, Okay chapter one the pavilion our merry band of misfits arrives at the unwelcoming townsfolks who are literally <laughs> carrying torches <laughs> um
3: this, this doesn't give us any like feelings about current events or anything
2: i'm okay. sure
1: certainly not <laughs>
2: and so yeah i mean i think at any one point is like are those tiki torches i think he <laughs> says that pretty much um <laughs>
3: Yeah, somebody, like, starts the Twitter hashtag trending. Kyle Bernster just so white.
2: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. I mean,
3: it seems that way, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> hashtag not all gunslingers.
3: That's right. Um, <laughs> hashtag not all townsfolk.
2: <laughs> all right, so we have this um, this greeting that feels very... Mm, what's the word I want? That it could go either way. Tenuous. Like when you know they ride in, it's really quiet.
3: Okay, I mean, you're skipping ahead. Do you want to cover some of the stuff uh, before that, or do you just want to jump right in?
2: Oh yeah, I guess you know the the horse thing.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, the horse thing is is a big deal. I, I think we should uh, probably mention. There's a couple of things here that on, on a reread um, kind of gave me a little pause and. The first thing that happens is that Eddie goes to Roland and he says, look, when we went toadash last night, it wasn't weird like it was before.
2: Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that, which I don't really know what to think of that.
3: Yeah, they don't really, like, talk about it anymore. And honestly, I don't even remember, like, why that might be.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, so you're saying you don't remember, like, uh, as somebody who has read this already. Right, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah.
3: Um. And then we uh, we have this thing with the horse, which is like Eddie is super concerned that he's going to look like a total idiot because he's never ridden a horse before. And what the fuck kind of gunslinger has never ridden a horse before?
2: That's true. I mean, that's a fair question.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) But he gets up to the horse and like just knows. Mm hmm. And this whole scene, he is like it, – it, it's almost like he feels like they've done this before. Yes. There's a bit where he says when Oi, uh Jake brings up Oi onto his horse and like um, tucks him into a poncho on – like, like the, the pocket of a poncho in front and Eddie – Thinks to himself, if I told Jake I'd expected Oi to trot along behind us like a sheepdog, would he say he always rides like this? No, but he might think it. He might think it, yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
2: I liked that. There's like a certain – there's just a weird vibe that you can get sometimes. And I'm not saying it's anything like this uh, distinctive, but I think that probably a lot of us who are like have a a talent in a certain area – have a moment where we're doing something and you're like oh yeah i mean duh yeah you just do the thing what you know like and this though it feels like with eddie it's something deeper than that like it's not just a talent it's a because he keeps on talking about doesn't he think about like reincarnation at one point
3: yeah he does
2: so i'm just like i don't know what to think about that you know i'm very much um I always have believed in reincarnation because to me, it just makes efficient sense. Like why would you create a whole new person when you could just like take the, the recycle the soul of a person already that you've got mm-hmm. and you just don't even have to like, you know, why would you not do that? That seems like just a smart, efficient way to use souls. I'm not sure right. what the, if there's like a diminishing return on that, I'm not sure how difficult it is to like, you know, make a new soul if one believes in souls. So, yeah, I might be totally off base here, but operating under the assumption that bodies are infinite and souls are not, you just chuck a new soul into that body. Whatever. Or an old soul into the new body.
3: The the argument I always hear about that, that that seems to convince most people, like the argument against reincarnation is that, like, oh, if reincarnation is real, then, like, how could there possibly... How could the population have expanded as much as it is? And I always am like, dude, like, nobody said it was just human to human. Right. Like, do you know how many species have gone extinct? Like, you know, like, how many animals have died off and mm-hmm. how much fewer there are of certain types of creatures on the planet? Like, I'm... If I could totally see a scenario in which, like, a bunch of, like, bugs die and they get reincarnated as, like, fucking, like, Cowboys fans. You know? <laughs> like... Sir. I mean, you're in Texas, aren't you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't give any shits. (laughs) Go ahead.
3: But like, you know, uh, I'm excited about the season starting again, so you'll forgive me. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I believe in it, but I don't think it makes... I think it makes more sense than a lot of people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And that particular argument like is always invoked as like, oh, well, then obviously, you know, that, that's the that's the silver bullet. Right. If it kills reincarnation. It's like, yeah,
2: really? Yeah. I mean, I just like that's always been the way that I understood it is that, you know, you graduate from being one type of animal to another type of animal, to, like to more and more complex animals with more and more complex critical thinking skills until you reach human being. Where you inevitably stall out because you make the same mistakes over and over again because we <laughs> never learn. Oh,
3: so. you're, you're saying there's a hierarchy, like you start at mayfly and move up to human being. Yeah, you know. Interesting. Interesting.
2: Yeah.
3: So then, like, what you know, you make all the mistakes as a human, and you you go back to mayfly, or are you no? Just I done figure at that point? if you
2: like, if you if you graduate human, I figure you probably go on to some thankless task as like. Uh, some, like, otherworldly being that is...
3: Well, because I'm feeling right now, like, that when you graduate human, you move on to gunslinger.
2: Ooh. Ooh. So gunslingers are higher and more evolved than human beings? Is that what you're saying?
3: I mean, it kind of seems that way, doesn't it?
2: It's kind of fucked up, Miles.
3: I'm just saying. <laughs> like, there is a real distinct sense in this chapter that, like, there there are a couple times in this chapter where Eddie is like, I don't want to think badly of these people. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand why they're th- feeling the way they do, but God, these fucking people.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: All you fucking sheep, you know? I mean... It's I just a little bit. But... I'm
2: not sure that has anything to do with being a gunslinger. I could just, you know, Eddie's like... A... I feel like Eddie has has had to cope with that probably a lot of his life like feeling mentally superior to people but he just had it beaten down and out of him by his stupid ass brother (laughs) and so he wasn't able to acknowledge it because it was uh he was made to like somehow disbelieve that he had this like you know what i mean
3: being gunslinger means getting the freedom to believe in your own superiority yeah
2: exactly there you go being gunslingers, right. like, yeah, you know, nobody's going to tell you no anymore.
3: <laughs> so what you're saying is gunslingers aren't actually the next, like, order of reincarnation. They just feel like they are.
2: Yeah, like, okay, so, I mean, they might also be, okay, so, I think I've meant, I, I don't remember if I've mentioned this uh, series on this show before, but there's a series, um... A trilogy of books. I don't know what the trilogy as a whole is called, but the first book is called Uglies, the second book is called Pretties, and the third oh, book sure. is called Specials.
3: Do you know yeah, what that series is
2: called as a whole?
3: Uh, I don't.
2: Okay, yeah. I don't either. Um, I should look that up. But the Specials book um, is about a uh, group of people that is engineered like by the... Extensive surgeries and like, you know, hormonal and uh, synaptic manipulation to be stronger and a better fighter than the average person. But they're also like mentally wired to believe themselves to be superior so that they meet out punishment and justice with a much more ready and ruthless hand than a person might otherwise do because they have this haughtiness and this belief that it is the right thing for them to do. Like that this is their place and everybody else's place is to learn from them. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like that's going on with gunslingers, just like a teeny tiny bit, like not as bad. It's not so like brutal and dramatic as to, because the specials in those books are genuinely made into terrible people. Like, right. But with gunslingers it's more like they can like tap into that terrible here and there.
3: You know what I'm I saying? Mean, yeah, like yeah. you know Eddie is Eddie is over here thinking like, "Hey, I can ride a horse. Like maybe I am of the line of Eld after all."
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know? And they all they all say it in the meeting. We'll get to that later. But like, yeah, I can totally say that. I believe it's called the ugliest trilogy by the way. The doctor internet has informed me that it is the ugliest trilogy.
2: Okay, right on.
3: Oh, yeah, um, Ugly.
2: yeah. here it is, Uglies. Um, yeah, those were fun. I need to reread those.
3: I only read – I read the first one uh, with a, a group of – with a class of kids that I was working with. We – you know, it was one of the books that the class read that, that year. Okay. And um, I thought it was really good. Yeah, but they're I never really read it. I never read any more.
2: And then there was another one that came out that was called Extras, which I didn't like quite as much, but mm. – um, you know, that's going to happen when somebody it felt a little fan fictiony, almost like they drew off of that world, but it wasn't the same crew. Um, but anyway, this is not about those books. <laughs> so. Yeah, so there's just a kind of a question here about where they come from and how they know what they know that feels like it's getting it feels like it's something that they all sort of just accepted and now yeah. they're starting to kind of question it, especially since they've all been asked to, like, introduce themselves to the crowd in this really mm-hmm. distinct way. So, yeah, uh, it's just kind of funny, like, to think that they never really did question it before. Like, you didn't. I mean, I guess there wasn't time and that's kind of a luxury. But you did get to you didn't walk for, like, weeks. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you ask at any point like, well, how do I know how to do this? You know?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think like, it's interesting because the guns didn't necessarily come naturally. At least not for Eddie and Susanna. They spent like, they spent a while in that forest like learning how to shoot. That's true. Um, Jake it feels like he's like been practicing between scenes. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, that's probably also the case. But, you know, but it's also possible that, like, if they weren't naturally inclined towards it, they would never have become as good as they are now.
2: Right.
3: You know. Yeah. So anyway, Eddie is, is here thinking deep thoughts about uh, whether or not Arthur Eld had at some point stopped by Co-op City. He said maybe for <laughs> a, a red hot and a piece of Dolly Lundgren's fried dough.
2: Oh, my God. That made me want fried dough. Something fierce. Let me tell you.
3: Is fried is that a thing just like fried dough what
2: my have you never holy shit balls my brain just broke
3: what? what what is it like
2: okay listen this is the thing it is not going to be as great for you if you try it now because it's not nostalgic but like sincerely fried dough is the shit it's basically Pizza dough, spread out, deep fried, comes up as this big, puffy, golden, crispy shell on the outside that's all doughy inside, like a crispier, better donut, and it's flat, and then you either cover it in butter and powdered sugar, which is just as good as it sounds, or you cover it in marinara sauce and Parmesan cheese, which is even better than it sounds. Huh. Huh. And they are almost always served at, like, county fairs and carnivals and things like that. Okay.
3: It sounds like fry bread. Maybe that's just what we call it here.
2: I guess it's probably fry bread because, like, fry bread – like, doesn't fry bread kind of get served almost like a taco a lot of the time? Like, it gets served with uh, meat and, like, lettuce and tomato on it and stuff?
3: Not in my experience. In my experience, it usually has, like, honey on it.
2: Oh, because I've seen like fry bread trucks and they've had extras, but I don't know how like traditional that is.
3: I don't um, know. It's a, like, usually when there's a big, uh, when there's a thing here in the Southwest, like a big gathering or whatever, like, there'll usually be somebody selling fry bread. Okay. Like, and it, it, it's, it's real fucking good. I think it's a, I mean, maybe it's just because I've, I've only had this, uh, like, associated it with, with like Native American culture, but it feels like it's a Native American thing.
2: Oh yeah, it definitely is. I okay, mean, okay. Mostly because Native Americans are impoverished as a whole, yeah, and it's super cheap to make, and it's got a lot of fat in it, which is like you know, yeah, holds you. But yeah, it's definitely. A I feel Native like American that thing. might
3: be the same thing then. But like y'all on oh, y'all uh, ride coasters, kind of call it something else. Um, I
2: think though that like ours is bigger and thicker, but it's not. I'm not saying it's even a different thing, but. I've had fried bread and it's like like <laughs> when you get fried dough that shit is larger than a dinner plate. It's ginormous. They're basically right. like a pizza, like a small pizza. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um but Well, God then maybe I've never had good. it. Good. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. But yeah, fried bread is like pretty similar <laughs> now I think right. about it. Now I really want
3: some goddamn. All right. Now we'll meet that shit. I haven't been eating had of bread in almost 3 weeks. Tasha.
2: Haha. Uh-huh. <sighs> <laughs> I don't feel pity for you. I just laugh at you. Oh, fine. Fuck you. All
3: right. So enough about these. (laughs) Right. So like Uglies, Trilogies and Fry Bread aside, um, as they're heading out, Jake uh, asks Roland if he can go stay with his new friend Uh, because Benny, the younger, has asked him to come out to the ranch where I guess... So Benny's Benny the Elder, Ben Sleidman, is mm-hmm. the foreman um out of this ranch uh where this dude named Eisenhart is is the owner. Right. And Roland has gathered that Eisenhart is one of the three big important people in the Kala, um along with Overholser and some dude named Took. Which just makes me want to say Peregrine Took. <laughs>
0: ah. <laughs> Fool um, of a Took Fool of a Took.
3: Um, but so, uh, Jake is like, Hey, uh, Benny invited me out there and I was thinking that if I went, uh, we could like, it'd be good. Cause I could get kind of a different perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and he really just like, he's like, I really want to go hang out with my new friend. Can I please go surrogate dead?"
2: Yeah. It's a a really, like, touching moment because this is when Roland realizes that here is a boy who is ashamed to be a boy. Yeah. That he can't just enjoy himself and go hang out with his friend, that it's not like that anymore. And I feel like we've been there, like all of us at one point or another, have had that moment of, and I can't remember mine, but I know I had one. Where I was suddenly just like, oh, I can't. Like, with, I can't with just joyful abandon just enjoy this. I'm conscious of it now.
3: Oh, sure. You know? I mean, that's, that, that, that is, that is such a universal idea that they put it at the beginning of the Bible, dude. I mean, that's what Adam and Eve is.
2: It's just so like, like, with Adam and Eve, it just feels so unrelatable. You know, oh, we're naked. Let me get well, clothing. Yeah. Like,
3: Yeah, because we're know. not fucking pure.
2: <laughs> uh, don't get but me like... wrong. If I did discover that I was suddenly naked, I would react that very way. But. Uh...
3: I don't know. It would depend on where I was <laughs> and who I was with.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely have been like. Especially, I think it can be weird when you're a nerd. And. I had that, like, goofiness, and, like, once I got to high school, I sort of, like, came into myself and felt more confident and was able to enjoy goofy shit again without feeling, like, weird about it, but when you're a kid that's kind of a loner like I was when I was little, and you like weird shit, and you don't, like, have a lot of friends... You get, I think maybe that, like, moment of feeling awkward about it comes even earlier, probably.
3: Yeah, maybe. I'm trying to remember if I had. I'm sure I did. Mm-hmm. I'm like you. I'm sure I did. I just don't know when. Right. Um, but, yeah, that that concept of, like, you know, oh, no, all of a sudden we're not children anymore. And it's, like, embarrassing to be seen, mm-hmm. like, splashing in rain puddles or whatever. Or <laughs> You know, like, you know, sure. I think that's a pretty. That's something everyone can relate to. Because I think that's just, like. That's life. That that's a universal childhood moment like mm-hmm. end of childhood moment um so yeah but he handles it super super well Roland does yeah he's like he re- he recognizes that um if he says no Jake will will not ask again mm-hmm. um and like not even be a dick about it but like, if he treats it like a kid's thing, like "Oh, sure, go play with your friend, honey," mm-hmm. then he'll be like, "Oh no, I'm not going." Yeah. So instead, what Roland does is like, "No, that's a good idea. Why don't you go?" Yeah. Which yeah, I was so prou- like I was so mission. proud of him. Yeah, I was so proud of him.
2: We're all um, growing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this is when they get to the the town right and they look down on it from above and um
2: it is really surprising how because honestly like this stop and taking the view thing i didn't really expect to be anything um but it feels like kind of a moment for everybody you know and Mm -hmm. especially like roland is pointing out the different kinds of crops that are growing and where like is it sheep or cattle over there, and whose farm is that one that's full of wheat and all it's very like um I can't think of the word that I want appraising, but like appraising implies that you're you're doing it out of self interest like there's a value that you're assigning to yeah, things. you're like
3: judging it, yeah, yeah,
2: and this is more like I'm being polite and also like in encouraging you to be on my side but it's still genuine you know like he's giving everybody compliments about their land and the beautiful like fertile uh little enclave that they've got carved out for themselves but he's and he's doing it like clearly in a way to like get people on their good side but also it feels like roland really means it because he is has seen some of this in his own past. And so it means something to him in particular.
3: Well, we definitely, yeah, Roland is, is kind of, um, is once again, entering his element. Mm-hmm. Like when he's with, when he's with the others and it's just them, he is a little bit more vulnerable. Now he's a little bit like, you know, more of like their friend mm-hmm. and, when they get to this town and they step among these people and they are like, you know, on this mission, he really does become their, their din, as they put it. Right. Like he is, he is their leader. And, and that means he is, um, he takes on very much the persona and the aura of like an ambassador. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Like he did in, in River Crossing back in the day. And, um, and beyond that, he's also, like, he knows more about this. This is, like, he recognizes shit. Right. Like, the whole, um, at the very beginning, when he's, like, the whole come, come, Kamala thing, when they mention uh, the rice and the dancing. hmm And they're like, oh, well, shit, you know the rice song? And he's like, yeah, I know the rice song, motherfucker. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
2: motherfucker.
3: The others are like, what the fuck is the rice song? But, like, he knows he knows exactly what he's talking about. So he's, like, "You know, he's large and in charge, is what I'm saying here. <laughs>
2: Indeed, <laughs> um, so okay, arriving at the town, sure, it's real quiet it's feels almost like it's abandoned, except that they can like see the torches lit right um down one of the roads. Eddie's getting a bit punchy, like worrying that somebody's gonna start throwing corn shucks at him
3: he's really freaking out yeah
2: he is
3: like he's (laughs) um yeah as they wrote in the Calibrin Sturgis that he kept expecting that man those lamb slaughterers' eyes and the handful of corn shucks because this town felt bad to him not evil evil as Magius had likely been on the night of Susan Delgado's death but bad in a simpler way bad as in bad luck bad choices bad omens bad ka maybe Mm Mm-hmm. He's like just really and nobody else seems to be doing this. Yeah. Like maybe maybe they are, but like Susanna's like, oh, what's a lake boat mart, you know, and like <laughs> they're all just talking. Eddie's like, this is fucked up.
2: Yeah, I kind of was waiting for somebody else to feel to be like, yeah, do you feel that? You know, but like it never happens. It feels like it's really just him, and I'm not sure if that's significant or not. But um mm-hmm. it definitely sort of is like I don't know. There's just there is it's sort of a weird thing to have go continually through this whole chapter and then turn out to be nothing. So and I don't think you know I don't think it's nothing. I just don't know when right. it's gonna actually like turn up again. So
3: I, mm. I think what gives it that feeling is the fact that like this chapter is written from Eddie's perspective and Eddie is picking up on every last tiny detail of this Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. Like his senses are wired up to here. Like he is just like, Oh, I smell this, 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 and this. And I hear this and I see this and I'm imagining this. And it's like, you can just tell he is on the edge.
2: Yeah, definitely.
3: Um, so they go to the, the platform, like the stage, um where all the people are basically gathered right right and wayne overholzer stands before them with a feather of course gotta have the feather
2: i don't know why this feather makes me so annoyed (laughs) i think it's it's weird it's one of those things like let's like a leftover from kindergarten where you know you'd pass a stick around or something and Eventually, it got to a point where nobody like actually paid attention to it, and everybody <laughs> just talked when they wanted. And I it,
3: do- it does feel a little bit childish.
2: You know, just a little. Lo- like, I get it. Especially, like, people are terrible, and you have to treat them like kids a lot of the time. So, to a degree, I'm like, yeah, no, I feel you.
3: I mean, it's not just that, but, like, fucking school classrooms, like, at those young ages are more democratic than... Anything True. after that. True. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I can see a town that just didn't see the point in coming up with any more complicated laws or or methods for for determining how people could should speak. Um the other thing about it for me is that I just watched uh I just rewatched Undercover Brother recently. Oh my god. Which I don't know if you've seen that. I've
2: not seen it.
3: You haven't seen it? Nope. Oh god. Uh Chris Catan plays a, a a character called Mr. Feather who like twirls a little feather. <laughs> And, like, the whole movie is, the, like, he's working for the man. Like, there's an actual man keeping black people down. Oh, my God. The man is a super villain, And, like, but Chris Kattan's character, even though he's the villainous, like, main henchman of this guy, is super into black culture.
2: <laughs> wow, like, that is a pretty pretend, great commentary, actually. He keeps
3: having to pretend that he doesn't know the words to all these songs <laughs> and, like, knows how to do all the dances and
2: everything. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe it's I a bizarre
3: watch that. it's a bizarre film and like definitely problematic but it has moments of brilliance <laughs> um anyway beyond leaving leaving Chris Catan's Mr. Feather character aside uh Wayne Overholser takes the feather and says all right everybody you remember like he he does like a previously in the <laughs> color you know like yep. thing He's like, y'all remember when we were here last time and we had that conversation about going to get the gunslingers to save our kids? Well, I was against it. Uh, I'm kind of rethinking things. These are the people we found. They're gunslingers. They have guns. They shoot guns. Here they are. Yep. And they all come forward uh, individually. I want to say at this point, too, one of the other reasons I think that, that this Kind of had like as they enter the town. This kind of had a creepy feeling. Is because King again does the thing where he says like he he drops a little something about what's gonna happen in the future. Mm Mhm, mhm. Like he says, you know, um, Eddie's memories were really good. Yeah, he remembered the way the torches changed when the speaking was done, and I I thought of it because it says he remembered always unexpected salute to the crowd, which happens here.
0: mm Mhm.
3: Because they all come forward and they bow and say who they are, and like they all say it in weird different ways. Eddie says they're he's of the cotet of nineteen, and uh then Jake says he's of the cotet of the ninety and nine, yeah,
2: what's that? Yeah, what are you doing creating your own cotet over there, huh? <laughs>
1: you think bastard. you're better
2: than me? <laughs>
3: he looks over at Susanna's late like, 90 and nine. she's like I don't know yeah um, I like
2: I like that he says that to Susanna and she's like well I don't know and then he's like yeah I mean I guess I don't know what the fuck I was talking about either so sure yeah <laughs> yeah
3: exactly and then Oi like comes forward and like rises up on his little hind legs oh and puts one of his fucking feet forward and bows over it and I... says Oi Eld thank ye.
2: this is like I know that Oi's horrible death is inevitable, but I'm just going <laughs> to fucking be so crushed. I'm going to be, I'm. it's going to be, it's not going to be pretty, guys. I won't be able to talk about anything else. Just so you know, like, once it happens, that episode is just going to be, mean, like, being angry. That's going to be the whole thing. It's just me being pissed.
1: <laughs>
2: I won't be talking about any of the rest of the plot. It's just gonna be me it's
3: going to be me the... going, you know... <laughs> It's going to be the Oi Memorial episode. Exactly. Um, Alright, so they get up there and uh, they introduce all themselves and like Oi does the thing and the crowd like cheers really loudly and starts applauding. Oh my god. Um, and then Roland is like, hey guys we're going to say something right now but, you know. Not much of a public speaker, so Eddie's gonna say something. Oh my god. Eddie's like, What the fuck are you doing, man?
2: Eddie is just. uh, I was trying to picture how this would go in my head, and I just hear everybody going silent, expectant, the scuff of Eddie's boots as he like steps out in front on the platform, kind of staring around. You hear some people in the crowd kind of go in like some shifting. And he like looks around, and starts to talk, and his voice comes out like, <clears throat> and then he has to like clear his throat and be like, ah, uh, forgive me for a slow start. And you're just like cringing, oh like you can't just don't Eddie. Oh my god, this is too painful. And then all of a sudden he busts out with a joke that they all love, and it's like smooth sailing. Yeah,
3: it's he doesn't a weird even like really thing. know it's a joke either. Yeah.
2: He says, haven't been around people in a blue moon, and they all start laughing, and he's like, well, okay. <laughs> like,
3: Sure, that was definitely funny.
2: Yeah, he doesn't get what the joke is, but he's like, I'll take it. Uh, and like, while he's doing his talk, he like looks around and sees some people who are clearly not really approving of the way that he's phrasing things.
3: Yeah, he kind of it, it, it like, he starts off really strong, and they're already kind of inclined to listen to him because he's – because of what Oi did, like, mm-hmm. got them all on their side. Mm-hmm. And what he basically says is, like, hey, you know, we're, we're just going to hang out here. We're going to figure out what's happening, and if we decide that we're going to stick our, our necks out for you people, you're all going to have to stick them out, too, mm-hmm. just so you know. Yep and everybody starts kind of grumbling
2: yeah do do (laughs) no harm and also there's no free lunch Um, right
3: sure there ain't no free lunch
2: which i you know i feel it obviously i feel it's fair but it does seem like a weird way to start out the relationship um i mean
3: i'm just saying i've been to plenty of places where there was free lunch that's all i'm gonna say like i've just I've had several free lunch experiences. Sometimes you go to the thing just because of the free lunch. So I don't get that saying, personally.
2: I mean, every time that I've gone to something for a free lunch, I've had to suffer through another thing, though. It's rarely been, like, a free lunch <laughs> for something that you would have wanted to go to anyway. It's almost You're always a that... free lunch because we know you would never <laughs> do this otherwise.
3: You're saying the price is paid not in gold.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Fair exactly. enough. Exactly um (laughs) god so yeah he goes out there says his shit they're feeling a little bit like uh some kind of way about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) some kind of (laughs) way
2: and when they're done um they all like callahan has to kind of be like so why don't we try that again Let's (laughs) Let's <laughs> applaud one more time, and everybody's give like, a, "Yeah, all right."
3: Give him a proper Kala welcome, mm-hmm. people. <laughs> oh, man. He also Eddie feels kind of bad about himself because he feels like he's just rolling his mouthpiece, and he acknowledges that Cuthbert was that before he was, mm-hmm. which is an interesting comparison.
2: Which I think, like, is a little unfair because it's not like I would understand that feeling a little bit more if it were him and Roland had had some kind of conversation about this beforehand and it felt like Roland just expected him to like basically go out there and regurgitate the conversation that they had already had but what it like he basically he just puts Eddie on the spot and is like you know go out and say some shit and he doesn't instruct him in yeah, any particular Eddie way had, like, so
3: if Roland had given Eddie like a you know script Right? Maybe. Uh, but, yeah, no, Eddie, he's like, Eddie, talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting. Like, so so, why do you think he did that?
2: Well, later when they're at dinner, Eddie's, like, thinking that Roland kind of did him a favor because now he's warmed up for the crowd that he has to deal with mm-hmm. Um, because everybody sort of already feels like they know him, which yeah. I think is pretty smart, like – You know, that's just a natural thing. I mean, I get so many messages from people who listen to this show and they message me and talk to me as if we've known each other forever, even though I have no idea who they are. And they're like listening to me has made them feel ready to completely open up in a way that they otherwise would never do with a total stranger. So I think that was shit,
3: dude. I mean, we met in person once Mm -hmm. like you and I I mean, like we really hit it off Mm -hmm. but like we met in person one time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah you get that but
2: I mean like we met in person one time but we had conversations though Yeah, you know like it wasn't like a one sided thing this is just him walking up there and people feeling like they connect with him even though he hasn't done a one on one thing yet with anyone
3: that's true you know what I mean yeah yeah I do I mean yeah I I, I, it's a I can totally understand, though, like in your case, people, it's really easy to feel you're very relatable, Natasha. So it's it's pretty easy for, for that to happen. I feel like with Eddie, it, you know, he is relatable, but he's got like, like once it's past that awkward stage, which he mm-hmm. has a hard time with, then Eddie's, Eddie's a great guy. But it's like he's going to have you have to get to that point with him, mm-hmm. you know, and like yeah. he stumbles out of the gate. So maybe that was what roland was going for
2: yeah maybe i don't know yeah like it's just um i feel like everybody coming like because roland seems like he's pretty much involved in one conversation during dinner um with that one Mm -hmm. manny guy and eddie's the one who's sort of fielding all of the other inquiries and questions and concerns of everybody else so I'm gonna yeah, guess that that's w- like that. Roland set Eddie up so that everyone would go talk to him, and Roland could go and have his conversation.
3: Yeah, well, I think he did set him up as the mouthpiece. Like he, he's he's not like Roland's words aren't coming his mouth out of his mouth, but Roland did set him up as like the guy you go to if you have questions.
2: He's the PR because
3: like yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. I'm gonna be busy, and y'all aren't gonna pay attention to what Susanna or Jake say anyway. So. You know, so you're going to be talking to this guy and here's what he has to say. But I'm very glad that Eddie, that Roland trusted Eddie to say what he wanted to say, while at the same time trusting that their interests would, of course, you know, kind of be in alignment. Right. So. Um, um,
2: so, yeah, that's uh, that's how that goes. And the meal is amazing. And there's like 200 different dishes, which is awesome. I wish that they were <laughs> described in a little bit more george R. R. martin style detail but you know it's do you fine.
3: do you really
2: i love the food de- like descriptions i know people get really annoyed about that i mean i think there were a couple times where i got like okay we get it but mostly the only times i got annoyed about it was when he was like the stew was thick with onions and barley and i'm like holy shit we know that's what every stew that you've ever talked about is thick with can we not <laughs>
3: But most of the time, I'm, like... Like, the, the stew was a typical Westerosi stew. Moving on. Right,
2: exactly. But when he's, like, neeps swimming in butter and a partridge stuffed with nuts, and I'm just like, yeah, tell me more. Say it again, but slow.
3: There's a there's a parade of people here who are coming up to ask Eddie questions, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of them are interesting. Um, <laughs> this guy Garrett Strong comes up, and he wanted Eddie to tell them where the children would be kept safe when the wolves came. Mm-hmm. For we can't leave him here, you must ken it very well, he said. Eddie, who realized he ken very little, sipped at his graph and was noncommittal.
2: <laughs> That's about the job, right? Is to just never yeah. really give a straight answer.
3: And then there's this Neil Faraday guy who comes up and and makes sure Eddie knows that they don't take all the children. Yeah. And Eddie thinks of asking Faraday what he'd make of someone who said, well, only two of them raped my wife, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, kind of a weird place to go.
2: But it's not un- like it, it, he's looking at this guy thinking, yeah, I don't think he's uh of the age to have children. So right. I had to put this in terms that he would actually give a shit about because clearly right. he has trouble relating to like, you know, human emotions that don't directly affect him because he's a fucking <laughs> sociopath. Um <laughs> so I get that. I mean, it wasn't the greatest, but I get it.
3: Yeah. Um So you know the the celebration uh, continues. The torches change color every Mm -hmm. ten or fifteen minutes, which is kind of neat.
2: Yeah, I liked that. Like Eddie's, like, oh, it's not really that impressive. But I was kind of like, I mean, isn't it like with fire? I mean, I don't really see that
3: impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if the Charlottesville Nazis had been doing that, then they would have looked much prettier while they were anyway
2: inadvertently Uh, making themselves into a giant rainbow. What I know.
3: Kind of love that <sighs> idea, actually. Um, so uh, then this dude, George Telford, shows up. Yeah. And this is a guy that Eddie noticed before. who And I think he was the dude in the prologue who was kind of described as being, being silver-tongued.
2: Okay. I wasn't sure, because I lost track of who was who from the start of this so okay and,
3: and i'm i'm kind of I'm, I'm imagining a very kind of like regal southern gentleman who kind of talks <laughs> like this you know and just it's, knows everything that he's saying but
2: it's just so hot today <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh there's an ongoing joke in another podcast where he tried to say cat on a hot tin roof but he got it mixed up with the dog tin tin <laughs> and so what? they started to do this bit where it's cat on a hot tan tan roof. <laughs> and then it's like this old Southern woman. And now whenever somebody speaks in a Southern accent, I always hear Elliot Kalin head writer for the daily show for like 10 years going, Oh, I- It's just so hot today. And so this is, when you say that, that is who this gentleman is now. He is, uh, from straight out of a streetcar named Desire.
3: Is that guy on the House? Yes. Yeah, okay. I know who you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. (laughs) Um... Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm like I'm just picturing him with like a sil you know, long silver hair and a, just like all in white, you know. All I'm not sure white. if
2: that's yeah, described
3: or not, but if that's what it feels like, you know.
2: Probably some kind of like bolo tie, something that's not yeah. quite a tie, but still gives yeah. the impression of like being dressed fucking,
3: up. Fucking fucking fake Southwest tourist turquoise is what this guy's wearing. <laughs> um <laughs> tourist no, I, turquoise i'm trying I to don't, come
2: up with a portmanteau of that and i can't figure I don't out
3: i come from arizona what are you talking about <laughs> um i feel like the portmanteau is just turquoise which is a problem <laughs> exactly
2: that's what yeah. i'm saying i'm like
3: hmm. um anyway so telford's kind of like <laughs> you know he's, he's cozying up a little bit and uh making small talk for a second and eddie's like oh this guy is gonna be a problem
1: mm-hmm.
3: um and at one point, Telford is like, he basically says, like, come on now. Yeah. Like, gunslingers, whatever. Like, who do who are you guys really? Yeah, he, you ever... he
2: straight up is like, have you ever even used that gun? To which I was just like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> like, I was definitely doing a bit of a, oh, I really wanted eddie not really because i knew it would like make everybody really agitated but i really wanted Eddie to just whip that shit out and like shoot the wick off of a torch or something right just you know what the fuck are you doing dude tempting fate this way (sighs) and he
3: says that he says have you ever used the gun you carry after he like crosses the line the first time Mm -hmm. because when he says like hey who are you really it's like tell me who, who are you and Eddie's like, I'm Eddie Dean of New York, and I hope to Christ you're not questioning my honesty. Yeah. And Telford's like, no, 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 not at all. Not just, just like I'm just asking like if you've ever used that gun before, because I don't think you're actually a gunslinger. And it's like, dude, come on. That like and he
2: like takes a step back from Eddie when Eddie says that. Yeah. And I'm just like, listen, did you not expect that kind of reaction? Because you're being an asshole. Like, right. did you think he was just going to be cool with you? He went up on the fucking pavilion platform in front of everyone the first time he met him and was like, y'all better not be lazy about this. So yeah, he is going to react if you straight up act like he's lying. What are you doing?
3: Yeah, I think Telford, like, I'm thinking, we were talking earlier about kind of like gunslingers, you know, may- maybe or maybe not feeling like they're above the common people, right? Mm-hmm. But for a certainty, the common people think they are. And, like, we're talking about the people of, of Calibre and Sturgis are like, holy shit, gunslingers, right? Right. So, um, Telford is going like, these aren't gunslingers. These are just people pulling political moves. Which means that they're on the same level as me. These are pe- th- These folks are running a con, essentially. Right. And I'm a con man, too. So... I'll go up to this guy and be like, hey, man, like between us, like obviously you're not going to tell them because they're stupid. Mm -hmm. But like between us, people who understand these things, who are you really? You know, (laughs) and Eddie is just like, you have no, you don't, you have no fucking idea.
2: We are not on the same team, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. We are not familiar with one another. There's a familiarity there. Yeah. You are presuming, sir. I would thank you. Not to use my Christian name, please refer to me as what is his last name, Dean. But what's his name? Yeah. What does he say when he introduces himself? Because I kind of want him to like have this long fucking.
3: Um, he Says son of Wendell, I think. Wendell, oh my god! Isn't that isn't that what he says? I think you're right. Um, I'm checking now because now I want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eddie, Eddie Dean of New York, son of Wendell. And then he thinks, at least that's what Ma always claimed.
2: I'm just like, what? All right, Mom. She's just like, I don't know, Wendell. It's fine. She never knew a Wendell in her fucking life.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he's like, fucking, I am Elliot. Elliot. I am Eddie Dean, son of Wendell. Fucking do not fuck with me, motherfucker.
2: Yeah, you know, just like, don't call me Eddie. Don't call me. Sai, Dean, the Sai thing always throws me off. Is it Sai for women and men? I think
3: so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, because yeah, I totally did not like. I, I I think I lose track sometimes of what formalities go to whom. Um. But yeah. Anyway. This guy so, is a shitbag, and Eddie basically just is like, you know what? You can go away. Just, just yeah, he, go.
3: He says, he says, I've used this one and the other one and the Ruger as well, and don't you ever speak to me that way again, my friend, as if the two of us were on the inside of some funny joke.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then Telford is like, if I offended you, gunslinger, I cry your pardon. And Eddie's like, well, at least he said gunslinger. But I, I love this. Uh, they kind of settle things, and I love this line at the end where it says... Um, where Telford smiles, it was a handsome, pa-cartwright smile, and in it, Eddie saw one thing clear. This man would never come over to their side. Not that was until and unless every wolf out of Thunderclap lay dead for the town's inspection in this very pavilion. And if that happened, he would claim to have been with them from the very 1st
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Which is so good. It's like, yeah, ev- everybody knows that guy. Yep. He's probably your fucking mayor. He's
2: probably your fucking president,
3: <laughs> yeah, well, nah, let's not insult the George Telfords of the world, shall we?
2: <laughs> Listen, you know, you know
3: <laughs> so the party goes on. um Jake and Benny've kind of wandered off they've Eddie's been noticing they're just like super good friends, like they're really just getting along really well, right um it's really sweet. and then like, it's so nice and, for
2: jake to have a friend and i'm afraid that this is going to go terribly
3: right and then they all figure out that that they've actually as it happens have arrived on uh coloburn sturgis open mic night <laughs> and people just come up and start like randomly singing songs
2: yeah this is a thing that apparently is like um i went to an irish wedding um and it was, like, a, like he was from Ireland. It was not just, like, Irish descendants in my family. Dude was from Ireland right. marrying an American woman. And after dinner, before dancing, there was, this, like, a whole section where people just got up and sang. It was kind of uh, hilarious in some ways. <laughs> and I'm not real great about people singing. Like, I feel really awkward about it a lot of the time but there was there's something about when people are drunk and they're singing that they lose all pretense and it's so much easier to watch if you get my meaning yeah. like it yeah. doesn't have that sort of like uh, i'm trying to do something here i don't know how to explain it but it's just i can and and it's so much more like um these are people that it feels like they're they do this all the time like they're so comfortable up there that it makes me comfortable watching it, too.
3: Right. That makes sense.
2: So, yeah, uh, it can be a really good time, although you hear some fucking depressing songs, too. But this was an, I just this reminded me of that a lot. And I was like, oh, kind of uh, wish I could go to a party like this again.
3: Fair enough. <laughs> it does, definitely seems fun. Um, and uh, at one point, Callahan goes up. uh, Sing some
2: (laughs) fucking song. (laughs) What? Buy me another round, you booger, you.
3: It's definitely an Irish song. (laughs) i just like, is that really, do they really, do the Irish use the word booger in their drinking songs? Or (laughs) maybe it's totally legit. I don't know. I'm not Irish.
2: I just can't. You booger you. Who calls anybody a booger ever? What? <laughs> oh my god.
3: Oh gosh. Um and Susanna goes up.
2: Yeah. And she sings a song that I'm not familiar with.
3: Uh Made of Constant Sorrow, I know I've heard of it. I, I can't bring it to mind. Like I know I've heard the song.
2: Yeah, it didn't ring any bells um, for me. But I'm terrible with song names. Like Yeah. So
3: it's like I'm I'm good with song names if I like if I bought the album, you know, or if I'm super familiar with the band. Mm-hmm. But like those classic iconic songs, you know how they go, but who the fuck knows what they're called? Yeah,
2: the minute they start playing, you're like, oh and you can like right. sing along, but yeah, forget yeah. it.
3: Um and uh everybody seems seems pretty happy with her song. It says, Susanna was no Chubias, but her vo- voice was true, full of emotion. And why not? It was the song of a woman who has left her home for a strange place. Mm-hmm. When she finished, there was no silence as after the, the little girl's duet, but a round of honest, enthusiastic applause. And Eddie is, of course, going going nuts on it. Mm-hmm. And then. And then. And then.
2: <laughs> I didn't know what was happening here. He puts his... He gets up and crosses his arms and puts his palms on either side of his face. And everybody just goes nuts immediately. It's like... I don't... Uh, and so just picturing that right away, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, already. And then... They
3: react to it, as Eddie says, like a rock star starting a really well-known song.
2: Mm-hmm. Which... I just, that, because the song is a, is like a work song, right? It's a song that you're supposed to sing while you're harvesting.
3: So, I mean, I guess, yeah.
2: It's just kind of weird to me that they would have something that specific of a gesture associated with this song because people aren't looking over at each other touching the sides of their face while they're out in the rice pad you know what i mean like i just don't understand how that that goes with this song in particular
3: it, i mean it, it's i don't remember the part where it's specifically like is there a part where they specifically say this is what we say these sing out in the fields because like it could be more of a kind of a good luck for the harvest ritual type deal i guess
2: so i guess they don't you know specifically where it's say like... it. it's just the rhythm of it when he starts it sounds like that kind of song
3: yeah, it does. Although I can also picture it. I'm. I, it's like I don't want you. You know, I'm. I'm not asking you to, to sing it for me or anything, but I'm. I'm curious to know like how you hear this in your head because I'm always. It always uh, makes me wonder like when. When writers, um, like you know, Tolkien does a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like here's the song that they sang and here are all the lyrics and like some authors when they're like especially when their shit is set in like more contemporary settings or, uh or something like that or you know like like with something like this for example when Eddie will be like oh that's fucking that's Velcro fly by his easy top mm-hmm. you know they'll be like he sung the song in the same tune of X popular song and you know what it's supposed to be okay. but this is like I, I don't know I kind of I kind of hear it as a like da 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 like the same thing over and over again. Mm. Um so I'm not I don't know, I'm always very interested to to hear how people hear the music in fiction when there's no reference point.
2: Well I'll tell you for this one I heard um comma (laughs) comma 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 commila No, I didn't really. But that definitely was like in my mind a few times. Oh, God.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so whatever the reason, he goes up and he does with a weird gesture and they go fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. And he waits for them to quiet down and then he's like, we are well met in the Kala, uh, but I and my friends have been far and we have much yet to do and see. Now, while we bide, will you open to us if we open to you? Which is the first of the questions. Mm-hmm. And they say, I, and thank you really loud. And then he says, do you see us for what we are and accept what we do? And, uh, and can see a couple of the guys like Telford, like looking around going like, what is yeah, happening?
2: They're like, this is just happening. Oh, yeah. okay.
3: Like, you know, cause Roland is like, ask, he doesn't ask the third question. Right. Right. But he asks the first two, like, in these circumstances where it's like, you know, what are they going to say? No, like, mm-hmm. they just gave you Rockstar treatment. Like, it's, you know, rocks. do you want to see Ozzy bite the head off a live bat? Yeah. yeah. You know, damn right we do. We're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, so he, but- asks, he asks both the questions and they say yes. Well, to the second one, do you see us where we are? And except we do, they say gunslingers, gunslingers fair and true. Say thank you, say thank you in God's name. And they go like, yeah, yeah, you're a bugger. Oh um, and then Roland says, all right, well, I'm going to sing one final song before we take off. And I'm pretty sure you know this one. Sing along if you know the words. Oh, my God.
2: I like It's so great. It's such a weird thing. <laughs> in the end Eddie had no real idea what the words to the rice song might have been not because of the dialect not in Roland's case but because they spilled out too fast to follow once on TV he, he'd heard a tobacco auctioneer in South Carolina this was like that there were hard rhymes, soft rhymes, off rhymes even rape rhymes which I was always taught those were called slant rhymes I guess things have changed Words that didn't rhyme at all, but were forced to for a moment within the borders of the song. It wasn't a song. Not really. It was like a chant or some delirious street corner hip hop. That was the closest Eddie could come. And all the while, Roland's feet pounded out their entrancing rhythm on the boards. All the while, the crowd clapped and chanted, come, 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 come. So, yeah. That's
3: not cultish at all. That
2: sounds intense.
3: Cause he starts like, like, like you said, it's like clopping or almost tap dancing. Mm -hmm. And this fucking song is like, like part of the reason I feel like it might not be a field song is that it is about harvesting rice in like exactly the same way that it's about sex.
2: Yeah, Definitely.
3: Um, but sex and... is
2: often, like, in in songs about fertility and whatnot, I don't know, like, you know, harvest, and they go together a lot.
3: Sure, I know. I'm just saying, like, you might not want to be thinking about sex while you're har- in the act of harvesting. Okay. <laughs> it's my only thought. Um, and then, fucking, like, when the song is about to end, and everybody knows when the ending is coming, they all stop and and thrust do a hip thrust mm-hmm. together and shout kamala
2: yeah they they do a pelvic thrust <laughs> That's um, right. and then he fucking crowd surfs that was my favorite <laughs> then he fucking crowd surfs i love that he falls forward and and eddie's just like whoa shit i'm like eddie dude this is on purpose relax of course he's doing this on purpose <laughs> A second later, they're like, "I think it's part of the show." No fucking shit, it's part of the <laughs> yeah, show. Come for on, for
3: sure. <sighs> and that is that is the end of the jams for the night, indeed. Um, and there's a there's a slight breather here before the end of the chapter where they go off. Jake Jake goes off with uh, Benny, and uh, the rest of them go off with Callahan. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. Callahan, like, wraps Roland up in a blanket like, dude, are you okay? You went nuts.
2: <laughs> and I'm spent.
3: <laughs> in more ways than one. Um, I hope not. And Roland asks him how long he's been here, and Callahan says he doesn't know. He says he left um, in the... He, he first got here, like, it was the winter of 83 when he left his world. Mm-hmm. Um... Nine years after he got his scarred hand,
2: yeah, and uh, uh, he doesn't say how he got that scarred hand.
3: He does not. So
2: that's an interesting. Um,
3: thing. They get they get to the church. It's called Our Lady of Serenity, and um, uh, Callahan says, or Ro- Roland like shakes his head when they ask about like, are, "Are you feeling Black Thirteen in there?" And he's like, "No, it's asleep."
2: Yeah, which I really was a little disappointed. I thought that we were going to like do something with that tonight. I mean, it's fine. But you know.
3: Yeah. Um and uh Roland also asks Callahan if he's ever been sent to dash and he says it's happened twice.
2: And the second time he feels he was lucky to get back at all.
3: Yeah, to the castle of the king.
2: What's that about, yo?
3: Yeah, and he's like, we should not talk about it now. And then he has this great line where he says, he looks at Eddie and he says, "The wolves are coming. Bad enough. Now comes a young man who tells me the Red Sox lost the World Series again <laughs> to the Mets."
2: Yeah, that was pretty cute. Yeah, he keeps trying to like lighten the mood because he's just like, no, you don't want to hear this story she when it's dark really
3: out. doesn't want to talk about any of the stuff in the dark. Yep. Like, and like they're all fucking tired. Mm-hmm. We do also learn here. That um, Susanna found out from Zalia Jaffords that um, her husband Tian, and his grandfather, who we, we saw in the prologue, mm-hmm. um, claims to have killed one of the wolves.
2: Yeah, that I forgot about that because they don't actually talk to him in this. And he's like really old. So it would have had to be like close to 70 years ago that this happened. Um, but yeah, he... It might have seen what's underneath their masks. So that's pretty significant. I like kind of don't want to know what's underneath their masks. I'm going to be honest. Mm. You can just leave those on. That's fine. <laughs> you know? That's whatever. It's cool.
0: And they're
3: like, I love Susanna and Eddie are talking about like what they're going to do next and then they hear a snore and Roland has fallen asleep. Of course he has. Because he's done.
2: He's He's spent. Yep. He done,
3: yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically it. Roll or Eddie and Susanna go to bed. Roland goes to bed. Um, Eddie kind of reflects on the day, and he's still he's still not quite like cool with all this, but he seems to be pretty distracted by the fact that Eddie just or that Roland just fucking did this dance. Yeah. Um.
2: He's seen a part of him that he didn't know was even there. And he thought he knew this guy pretty well, I think.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, they haven't, you know, the ambassador stuff they've needed to do hasn't certainly hasn't taken them in the dancing direction.
2: Definitely not.
3: So, you know, again, I think always, you know, when they see this side of Roland, they're always a little bit surprised. Agreed. Because it's not a side that that he shows to them because he doesn't need to. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. what good would it do? They don't have any. He's not in their world. You know, they don't have any customs he needs to follow. So... Yeah. And uh and that's this chapter. I fucking love it. I love it so much.
2: Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. There's an illustration of him dancing too that I'm going to hopefully Oh, be is there able an illustration find... in yours? Yeah. I'm hoping I can find it um an online version so that I can use it for the post for this episode because it's very awkward looking like you know, I've mentioned before that some of these illustrations, you can just see how dated they are, even though it's not <laughs> like it's just a weird, a weird style that really feels very like 70s. Um mm-hmm. But it's kind of silly because like Roland looks the same age in this illustration as he does in the flashback illustration of him and uh Cuthbert when they're shooting out at the cliffside, you know? The cliff's edge yeah and they're supposed to be like what 18 maybe during that flashback but they look like they're like 50 in the illustration (laughs) and in this illustration he looks that same age so it just threw me off a little bit but um but yeah i'm gonna try and share this one if i can
3: right on um um i feel like we should uh do two chapters uh not next week but the week after
2: Yes, uh, next week yeah. is the finale episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah, dun, dun. dun.
3: Um. So are we, we're going to go back to weekly for that.
2: If that works for you, that works. That for me. works for me. Okay.
3: So in two weeks, we'll do uh, the next two chapters because just because the first one is super short. Okay. Um, and really just is a lead into the the next one. Um, so it'll be, uh, chapter part two, chapter two, the dry twist. And then part two, chapter three, the priest's tale, New York.
2: Cool. Um, all right, cool. And we have a new review that I wanted to read real quick from Daniel G 42 from the United States. Five stars. Great. I first read parts one through three in high school, and I thought they were so good. Then read each as they came out so slowly. When the new movie was announced, I wanted to find a good book podcast, and so happy I found this one. I listen to three to four episodes while I work and may need to slow down now that I'm getting caught up. Natasha and Miles are really awesome on this. Aww. Thank you very much, you. Daniel. Really appreciate it. Very sweet it. of you. Yeah. Um,
3: I aspire to be awesome in all that I do.
2: Agreed. Same. And new patrons this week we have Deandrea Harris, Julie Bouchard, Tristan Hyatt, Silje strom Nicole Larson, Joseph Angel, Nina Bennett, Laura, Emily Kramer, Adam Elliott, and Lisa Aisato, Aisato, Aisato. <laughs> um, welcome to all of you patrons, you wonderful people. If you're five dollars and up, you'll get access to the uh, ongoing twin peaks recordings that i'm doing with maggie we just finished season two we're doing the movie firewalk with me next which was horrifying and then we're going to move on to season three which is still airing actually um hmm. so that will be interesting man i was not ready for that movie though i was not ready for that fucking movie i was not ready for the finale have you watched this show miles
3: I have seen precisely zero episodes of Twin Peaks, and I've been meaning to fix that for a long fucking time.
2: Listen, the first season's amazing. The second season is almost straight trash from beginning to end. And I'm sorry, <laughs> everybody who's listening who loves this show, but you know I'm right. Like, even people who love this show kind of have to admit <laughs> that. However, it has a uncompromising finale that is shocking in its brilliance that I really just did not see coming. And then the movie is just like basically they take away all of the goofiness of the show and they just go straight in for the extremely adult themes of what this was going on in this town. And it's really upsetting. And I wasn't ready for that. I thought it was still going to have that, that like kind of winking at the camera sort of vibe that the show does. And it doesn't, you get no relief from how bleak and sad so much of it is. So yeah, Maggie and I are going to talk about that next week and uh, season three I have not heard a whole lot about except that one person on my timeline said that he hasn't been that scared watching something since for like the last 10 years that <laughs> one of the episodes of the show scared him so badly that he like couldn't and Maggie said the same she was like I couldn't sleep so when David Lynch wants to be upsetting yo know, he knows how that motherfucker Oh yes
3: he most certainly does I Sometimes, very much wish I could forget Blue Velvet, oh but my God, I can't. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Kyle McLaughlin again.
3: Um, um. Anyway, yeah, I've been meaning to. I've really. I've heard so many things about Twin Peaks before the new show even started, and um, and uh, yeah, I, I really need. to... I mean, it's. It is. It is on the list, dude. We, I, there's a million things I need to catch up on, and unfortunately, right now, Sharon and I are on just the biggest fucking Doctor Who kick in the world <laughs> because we are. We're like, we're trying really hard to get me caught up on the entire show and her caught up on the last two or three seasons before Jodie Whittaker takes over and in the Christmas special, and it's like a big thing and it's playing in theaters and shit. So we're like. That is what we're watching right now. <laughs> gotcha. Um, we are watching Doctor Who. And as soon as we're done watching Doctor Who, I imagine that we will be able to start watching other things. But right now, it is that show, y'all. So um, I will, I will, as always, uh, have lots of things to say about shows happening right now in, like, five years.
2: Right. Yeah, that is kind of your thing. But yeah. that's also my thing because of what I do. So That's true. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm the only thing that's like going to be kind of current again, other than Twin Peaks, which doesn't feel like the same thing since it started so long ago. Um, will be when we pick up Stranger Things again in October. Um.
3: All right. Yeah, I got, still gotta watch that. Haven't seen the first season of that yet. There goes a fun show.
2: It's just yeah, really well that's done.
3: What that's what I've heard.
2: Um. So yeah, $5 and up gets you Twin Peaks. Um, If you're $4 and below, you'll get access to Twin Peaks once it's completely wrapped up and we're all done. And then after that, $5 and up will get you whatever I do for patrons um, at that point, which I think is going to be a series of Harry Potter exclusive stuff, um, like doing some of the extra books and the um, Fantastic Beasts movie and things like that. Um, And if you're $10 and up, you're going to get... A sweet, sweet postcard in the mail that says Snape was still a dick, though. And uh, I'm gonna be sending those out in about a week. So- Am I getting
3: one of those? Do I get one of those? I want I mean, one. Maybe you are good. I don't know. Can I please have one?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I'll think about it. I'll, I'm gonna keep you on your good behavior, sir.
3: Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: Um, but yeah, Look, I'm excited. I didn't say about I didn't these.
3: believe in reincarnation, Natasha. Anyway. <laughs>
2: Do you believe in my eclipse ritual with crystals? Answer quickly.
3: Yes. (laughs) Was that the right answer? No, it wasn't. Damn.
2: Nope, you're fired. Shit, shit. Um,
3: Well, guys, it's been a great run. (laughs) we have had a lot of fun. Podcast
2: canceled. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. But yeah, so $10 and up, that's a a postcard every month, a different one. And um, I have not designed the one for August yet. I need to get on that. But I think it's going to be... One that you can cut down the middle and make into two different bookmarks. So, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Miles, what do you yeah. want to share with us?
3: Oh, man. So, uh, y'all, uh, listen to the Smash Fiction Podcast if you don't already. Um, it is the show where a bunch of friends of mine and I have crazy, silly, ridiculous debates about which fictional characters would win in a fight of, you know, like fights of various types and style and stuff. It's It's pretty... Fucking fun show! Um, our most recent episode that just came out was a three-way fight with uh, a fight battle of hordes of space bugs. So it was um, the Xenomorphs from the Alien franchise versus the Tyranids from uh, Warhammer 40k versus the Zerg from Starcraft. So if you're into uh, to that kind of thing, then definitely check that out. Um, this next. Sunday, because our episodes come out on Sundays. I'm very excited to announce that we will be doing uh, uh, Derek Zoolander versus Gracie Hart from *Miscongeniality*.
2: Oh my god!
3: So uh, that's going to be tons of fun. That's so check awesome. that out. Yeah, um, we had we had. Uh, Rick Deckard from Blade Runner versus Major Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell recently. Um, before that, we had our second annivers- anniversary special, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and before that's the episode where Rashawn was on. So
0: Yay! if you're a fan
3: of Rashawn, check that out. She's on the Granny Weatherwax M- Minerva McGonagall episode. Um, and then, of course, once a month, we do Extraordinary League, which is our actual play RPG podcast in which we uh, we all take on the roles of various characters from fiction in some insane shit. And it is a good old time so check that out extraordinary league comes out on the first sunday of every month in lieu of a regular smash fiction episode um smash fiction uh smash fiction i don't know it's on fucking <sighs> itunes guys it's on itunes i don't even out the Lipsin address like no- nobody goes oh uh, i'm gonna go to the podcast i'm gonna go find the Lipsin address like come on how do you get your podcast? What app do you use? We are on it. Search for Smash Fiction. Search for us on Twitter at Smash Trick Podcast, on Tumblr, uh, on fucking YouTube and Facebook and all of the media's social
2: I like how uh, aggressive this guy for no reason all of a sudden. <laughs> You're
3: just I like, just you know like, what? <laughs>
2: fucking find it, you schmucks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was doing really well. Like, I was really on a roll and then I, like, stumbled. With the Libsyn thing, because I, like, doubted myself, and then I just got pissed off on myself that I stumbled, so that's why that got aggressive. Gotcha. Um, Also, uh, if you want to read a bunch of stuff that I wrote, like, six months ago, go to universesofthemind.com for my universes of the mind blog, which is a blog about science fiction that has not been updated in a very long time, uh, because I, like, moved and got married and... Just change excuses, jobs and excuses. like
2: excuses we don't okay. want to hear it miles you
3: know what you don't even read it don't even talk to me about it <laughs> 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 so uh universe um if you want to check that out i promise that as soon as there's a new post up there i will ecstatically announce that on this very podcast so um keep an ear out for that Um, And then you can also check out the Odyssey Storytelling Podcast if you want to hear some of the other uh, podcast production that I do because I am the host and producer of that show, which is the show where we record a live event uh, once a month of people telling regular stories – not regular stories, but like their stories um, based on a theme. So the most recent one was Emergency, and the next one I think is Potluck. And that was a really interesting show. Um, so, yeah, because people like interpreted that a lot of different ways. So like because I thought it was a weird theme, right? Like when they told me like potluck, really? Like what are people going to tell about like the best potlucks you've ever been to? Okay. But like, you know, some people just <clears throat> apparently just heard the pot part okay so you know they have stories about that and apparently somebody some people just heard the luck part so they have stories about that so um you can check that out it's called the odyssey storytelling podcast also available on all your podcast platforms um and i think that's me thank you
2: all right well thank you everybody for listening we love you dearly thank you for leaving reviews and showing the love
3: yeah seriously leave a review for smash pick if you uh if you like that please that'd be great
2: no, don't leave reviews and, for anything and for all that Miles Story. doesn't do with me because oh only I
3: deserve reviews ever. You're killing, you're killing my career. You're killing <laughs> my podcasting career. I knew it was going to happen.
2: Listen, nothing ensures that people will do something as much as telling them not to do it. Okay, your goal. That's golden.
3: legit. That's legit. All right, I appreciate you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, guys. We will see you in two weeks. Tootaloo, motherfuckers.
1: 18 plus.